there was a man born blind from birth. And so as the disciples and Jesus are having a conversation, they say, hey, did this man sin? And that's why he was born blind. And then they said, or did he sin in his mother's womb? What, what was wrong with this man that he had to be born blind? Jesus spit in the ground. He makes some mud. He puts it on the man's eyes, and he tells the man, go and wash. As soon as the man washes, you know what happens? His eyes were instantly open. Here's a blind man, born from birth, never able to see. He did not ever know the opportunity to look out at, like, beautiful Hemet, California, and say, wow, this is the greatest valley in the world, right? He did not have that opportunity. He was blind from birth. He could not see until the day he met Jesus. And as he met Jesus, Jesus healed him. But you know what day of the week Jesus healed him? He healed him on the Sabbath. The Sabbath for the Jewish people, it's a holy day. We rest. We take it easy. You can't be bad or good on the Sabbath. You just got to gotta act like you're in the library. You just sit there all day and do nothing. Just kidding. But the blind man goes to the church because he needs to show himself to the priest to say, I've been healed, I've been, I've been cleansed, I've been healed. When you were healed in those days, that you, that's what you would do. You'd go show yourself to the priest and say, look. And they go, who did this to you? Why did they do this? Don't they know what day it is? Where are you from? Who's your parents? And they started questioning this man. They started interrogating him like he killed somebody, like he hurt somebody. This was just a blind guy who did not see. And in one second, gets his eyesight back. But the religious church people started making this man feel horrible. So they said, bring his parents. So they bring the parents in. And they said, was, is this your son? They said, yeah, this is our son. Was he truly born blind at birth? They said, yeah, yes, he was. Who did this? They said, his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And then they start asking the parents more questions. And you know what it says in the text? The parents were afraid to answer because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And then they started questioning the blind man again. And they got frustrated with the blind man because he said, you know what? I'm going to tell you again and again and again, Jesus just healed me. And he opened my eyes. And I'm going to tell you again and again. And you know what they did? They threw him out of the church. <laughs> and so I think it's really important that as we understand John 10.10, 10, the thief's purpose, steal, kill, destroy. But Jesus said, my purpose is to give life. And he stated this. One of the main reasons he stated this is because here was a blind man who was robbed of sight all of his life. He gets well. He gets his eyesight back. And then you know what happens? The Jewish religious leaders robbed him again. And Satan, the serpent, we know, he'll use whoever he wants to at any point, at any time, to steal, kill, and destroy. So a blind man gets his eyes back. Jesus talks about being a shepherd, and he talks about being a sheep. And when he talked about being a shepherd, he said, as the shepherd, my sheep will know my voice. And at this day and time, shepherds, they would use a flute. Sounds like fun. They would use music. But most importantly, you know what they used to get the sheep's attention? A good shepherd. Turn to your neighbor and say, good shepherd. 
simply used his voice. And you know what a good shepherd did at this time? He would lead the sheep, but he would not drive the sheep. Lead the sheep, but he would not drive the sheep. And, and to be honest with you, we do have a problem in our, in our world with men and women who are manipulating, controlling, and they want to drive instead of lead or guide. Jesus, in John 10, he points out something that's really, really important before we get into other attacks. And that is this. I, he says, I'm a good shepherd. I'm a good dude. Just like all of us say, right? I'm a pretty good dude, right? I'm a good girl. I'm a good dude. He said, but watch how I do things. I give. I forgive. I'm calm. I'm loving. I'm faithful. I'm forgiving. And I'm using a gentle voice. And he said, with my gentle voice, my sheep will know who I am. Now, there's something really important with that. He said, my sheep will know who I am by my voice. With that, let's go to Genesis chapter 3, starting in verse 1. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat fruit from any trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from any trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. And God said you must not eat it or even touch it. And if you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be open, open as soon as you eat it, and you'll be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful. Its fruit looked so delicious. She wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and she ate it. And then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. Sorry, verse 7. And at that moment, their eyes were open, and suddenly they felt shame at their nakedness. And so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. This is the very first outfit in the whole entire world, fig leaves. A very natural, colorful, wonderful outfit, fig leaves. So when the cool evening breezes were blowing... God shows up. The man and his wife heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. And so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. And then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? And he replied, I heard you walking in the garden. So I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God had asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man replied, it was the woman that you gave me. She gave me the fruit. It's her fault. So I ate it. 13. So then the Lord God asked the woman, what have you done? The serpent deceived me, she replied, and that's why I ate it. There's so much that happens in a moment. There's so much that can happen in one second. There's so many things that can happen in five minutes, in ten minutes. And so in this moment, and in this moment, and in this second, there's so many things that happen. And you know the first thing that happened in this story? There was something, there was someone who was using a manipulating language to deceive Adam and Eve. 
And in this moment, this great moment that changed history, changed time, it changed humanity, it changed people. It starts with a serpent, also called the devil, who was manipulating, but it was this language, it was the tone. I don't know if any of you have used a tone before. How many of us can remember the very first time mom or dad yelled at us, and we knew the difference between talking and yelling? How many of us knew the tone, right? So the devil in this story, he was not using a mean tone, because how many of us know Adam and Eve would be like, whoa, back up, devil, right? He was using a sweet, kind, lollipop kind of tone. And he was like cotton candy and ice cream and all those good things. So the devil comes to Adam and Eve using a very strong, secretive, deceptive, manipulating language. How many of us have ever seen, and I, don't, I know we've never done this, but have you ever watched kids get their own way? Have you ever been at Walmart and hit, heard a kid cry until they got the bouncy ball? Have you ever, if you're a parent, have you ever listened to your kids? And that is a wonderful mom, dad, you know, brother, sister. How many of us gave in to kids because they did whatever they needed to do to get something? How many of us have had kids and said, ah, I don't feel like going to school today? And they said, and, and as parents, we said, why don't you want to go to school today? I just don't want to. Well, you're going. And then the next day, it's, I'm not going to school. How come you're not going to school? Because I don't feel good. They started to learn, right? If they just said to us, I don't feel like going, that's not a good excuse. You're not going to school, right? So what did kids learn how to do? Natural in our, in our nature started to manipulate mom and dad. Well, I don't feel good. I can do a little lie. I mean, because any of us at any time, we could make ourselves not feel good. We could hit our head on a wall. We could punch the wall. We could kick the wall to where it hurts. And then so it's honest, right? I really don't feel good. But we see our kids. And then let's take a step back to say, well, how do we as adults manipulate other people? Because we do. And see, as for kids, we grow up from kids into bigger kids, and we still manipulate in families and homes and around the world. And in this moment, the very first thing that happens is the devil uses a creative, deceptive, manipulating language to get through to Adam and Eve. There's a decision that gets made. And, and honestly, from this story, I don't want you to think, well, it's all E's fault or it's all Adam's fault, right? Because honestly, if we look at the Bible, and this is the beginning, we could see ourselves all throughout, right? As people make mistakes, as they do good, as they do bad, it's in all of us, right? And so the first thing that happens on the other side is there's a decision that gets made. And here's the, here's the importance of this decision. In this moment, there is a person who assumed the right to make a decision I'm right, and maybe that other person's wrong. But you know what the danger in this decision, who was she saying was wrong? God. Assuming the right, I'm assuming the right to make my decision, 
and it's going to be right for me. I don't care if I'm right or wrong, whatever. I'm putting myself above what I was told not to do, and I'm assuming the right to make this choice. This is a very powerful decision. And I think for them sometimes, how many of us suffer from short-term memory loss? Because in this moment, there are thousands of trees with beautiful fruits. And as the devil and her and Adam are sitting and having a conversation, you know, I, I say Eve, and he's there, he's just not talking, right? I don't know if it's, right? Adam's there, he's just not talking. Maybe, maybe he stubs his toe, who knows what happened, but he was, he, he didn't really, you know, all we know is he was forced to eat and he ate. We don't know what, what else, you know, the, the dummy was doing. But there was short-term memory loss here, because for one second, if, if Eve would have took a step back to say, I don't really need one tree, when I've got a thousand trees. I don't need to take the one when I've got a thousand. But see, through this series, the talk, the thought, it's to understand where we allow the devil to get into our life, where we start to expose the lies that he's given to us, that he's fed us, that we have believed. And so we know that in this story and in the same we see Eve make a decision. We see that she forgets all that she has to just simply take one thing. We know that all of us, just like Eve, there's desire. We know that for her, she said, man, this looks like good food, right? This looks like just like when a new restaurant opens up in town, just when a new place opens up, how many of us looks good, sounds good, might as well eat it, right? Physically, spiritually, looks good, sounds good. In with all of us, our nature, there is this desire to know more, desire for understanding, a desire for food physically and spiritual food. And so this desire, though, when we don't treat it carefully, James, Jesus' half-brother, he said, you have to be careful. Temptation does not come from God. It comes from somewhere else. And he said the problem with temptation is it starts with a little desire. And when you feed that little desire, it gives birth to death, right? And so Eve and Adam in this moment, they gave in to a desire to wanting to know more. It looks good. It's going to give me something. Knowledge, the devil said. My eyes are going to be open. What Adam and Eve didn't realize, as soon as their eyes were open, this word becomes R-rated, they realized we're naked. They didn't know that they were naked before they ate the fruit. They just thought we're living life, we're happy-go-lucky, we're living, we're large, we're in charge, right? All of these things. But in one instance, you know what happened? What age were you when you discovered a mirror? How old were you when you, when you looked and, and you this beautiful, wonderful thing, you look and say, ah, there I am. I'm so sweet and wonderful. Ah, I'm so thankful, right? In this moment, Adam and Eve were given a mirror. But you know what it was? It wasn't the physical reflection. It was a spiritual reflection now into their soul. And as Adam and Eve took the fruit, they were promised to be like God, knowing good, evil. That's not how they felt, though. How did they feel? 
shame. What the devil promised, he didn't deliver. What the devil promised, he didn't deliver. And you know what's crazy? How many of us know that there are things that we see instantly and there's things that we see over time? In this story and in the Bible, we see things that happen instantly. So many of us, when things, good things happen instantly, we expect to be instant as well, right? But there are other times where there's things that happen over time. And in this story, this is one of those instances where something happened instantly. They took something and instantly they felt immediate shame. And I would propose this morning, see, that's not how most of us, how the situation plays out. When there's a wrongful desire inside of us, it usually takes time before it plays out and we realize, I took it too far. This happened instantly for them. Instant regret, instant shame. They're looking at the mirror and saying, oh my gosh, what did we do? But for most of us in here, it's not instantly. It starts at a very young age with a desire, a curious, a, a curious thought, a desire. It starts by the devil at a very young age grooming men and women to a lie. And eventually, for many people giving into that thought or lie, yeah, it's not half bad. We could do it again. And then it continues and continues. And to wait, one day many people wake up trapped. Many people wake up one day and saying, Wow, the same feeling that Adam and Eve had here. You know, for Adam and Eve in the story, in this moment when they realized they had no clothes on, we know that what did they do? They got fig leaves. Who knew that Eve knew how to sew already? I mean, this is the very first time. It says that the, she sewed. And maybe they both did it together. Maybe they, maybe they got in a, you know, sat on the ground and sat Indian style and like, let's figure this out. We don't know, but they sewed fig leaves. I mean, how, I mean, how does this even come in your imagination to sew fig leaves together? But there's a few things that happen in this. And what's really crazy they sewed fig leaves, why? It says, to cover themselves. Secondly, they hear the sound of God. What's the second thing they did after this? They hide. Third thing that happens, they covered themselves, they hid, and then they just blamed somebody else for their own wrongful actions. And you know what's crazy? Think about this. Jesus, when he was here on the earth, what did he do with fig leaves? He cursed the fig tree, and he said to the fig tree, may you never bear fruit again. Now, interestingly enough to me, he could have cursed any tree that didn't have any fruit on it. He said he was hungry, so he wanted to get something to eat. There was no figs there. But I also think that's in relation to the beginning here, when Jesus cursed the fig tree. Because what did Adam and Eve do? They covered themselves because they felt shame. They hid from God because they were afraid. And lastly, they blamed someone else for their own mistake. Instead of, instead of, and, and I do have to say, you know, for Eve, she said, hey, you know, the serpent, you know, it was Adam was like, this woman, God, you gave me her, it's her fault, right? 
And then it was, no, the serpent deceived me, which that part was true. She, the serpent did deceive. That part was absolutely true. But you know what we didn't see from either one of them? It's one that said, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm sorry. Neither one of them are humble. Who inherits the earth? It's the humble. Why as people do we have such a hard time being humble and saying, I am wrong in this situation. Forgive me. But instead, we let our pride get hurt, and we don't want anything to, or anyone to mess with our pride, right? James 1.4, it says, what's causing quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from evil desires at war within you? You don't, you want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. Jealous what other people have, but you can't get it, so you fight and wage war to take it away from them. You don't have what you want because you don't ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. Ouch. John 10.10, 10, our, our beginning verse and our diving board. The thief's purpose is still kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. If we were to just look at Adam and Eve for a minute, would we say that they had a rich, full, satisfying life? There were moments. But then there were other moments where it all slipped away. We read John 10, 3 through 5. We read John 10, 9 through 10. Jesus describing something so important. I'm your good shepherd. And a good shepherd leads with a soft, gentle voice. Adam and Eve, in the beginning, what happened? They started to listen to a different voice. And they lost sight of the voice, of the power, of the love, of the grace, and the forgiveness that had given them everything. And so Jesus, when he said that these purpose still kill and destroy, but my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. See, the, the thing that we get confused sometimes, because there's verses in the Bible that says, ask and keep on asking, you will receive. Right? Knock and keep on knocking. The door will be open. There's so many things that happened in the Old Testament, New Testament, that were instantly. And so for many of us at times, we're thinking, man, if I just pray, I'm going to get it instantly. Right? Man, if I just pray, if I do a song and a dance, and if I lift my hands during worship on Sunday, and if I sing along with one song, and I'm a good boy or girl during the week, God's going to answer me instantly. But when Jesus said... My purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. You know what he was saying? When you learn to listen, listen to the good shepherd, then you will start to find the rich, full, satisfying life. But if you don't listen to my voice, you know the other voice that you're going to hear is the thief. 
And that thief, his purpose from, from, from the time we're born, from the time we get to be three, four, five, six, automatically we start hearing that voice. And what does that voice set out to do? To steal, kill, and destroy. From the very beginning, when we start to comprehend, when we start to think, because the Bible says after Adam and Eve screwed up, every one of us were born with that nature. It's good and it's bad. And so let's be honest, many of us at times, how many times have we listened to the voice that led us in the wrong direction? Jesus said, my purpose, my main purpose is to give you a rich, full, satisfying life. And it's not just praying and saying, bang, bang, bang. I got money coming my way. I got a new job. I got a new car. I got a new life. Your full life that you will experience, that God wants you to have, it starts the day you start to listen. But when we ignore his voice, you know what happens? The voice gets quieter and quieter. And then it's harder. It's harder to hear. It's harder to understand. Our theme exposed <clears throat> to understand what are the things inside that I need to, to be exposed to? What are the things that I have believed from a young age? How many people in our world, the seven billion people from a very young age, there are lies planted in our heart, mind, and soul, what we believe about ourselves? And then there are people who tell us things that aren't true about ourselves, right? There are parents, there are friends, there are people who, when we were younger, call us dumb and stupid. There are parents who call their kids dumb and stupid. And you know what? Some kids eventually just believed them. There are parents who call their kids retarded. And then there are kids who become retarded and don't want to leave the house. Why? Because they grew up listening to such negative emotional words. Your kids will be the product of what you say to them. If you tell your kids, God is good, God's great, follow him, and great things will happen, every single day, guess what's going to happen? Good, great, God, things will happen. If you're constantly putting kids down, if you're constantly telling kids, you screwed up here, you are a knucklehead, let me smack you on the left side, then the right side, and then kick you in the butt, they're going to always feel like a failure. If we have to point out every single person's mistake in life all the time, what are you doing? You're manipulating the situation to make someone feel like a failure. And so as we start this thing, it's to understand there's things that I believed. There's things that have happened to me that I need to start to expose and so that I put an end to believing the lies that I've been told all my life. If you have your Lego piece, go ahead and take that out this morning. <coughs> and I don't know how many of us in here play with Legos. This one is a construction site Lego little thing. I got the wrecking ball. That's exciting. Chuck it at somebody, right? 
what's the purpose of Legos? You take a piece, and what do you do? You connect it to another piece. And then what do you do with that? You connect it with another piece. Until, well, if you follow the instructions, and some can do it without the instructions, you get to the finished product. See, what we don't understand is all of us this morning, we have built so many different things over our life. We've taken like Lego pieces and we've heard lies from the devil. You're dumb, you're ugly, you're never gonna amount to anything. You're not gonna ever do this, you're not ever gonna do this. You're this, you're this, you're this, you're this. And you know what we did? We took it and we accepted it. Okay, that's right. And then we started building until it became a finished product. And then it's, I'm stuck. This is what I have. Because I believed a lie for so long. I believed it for so long. This is what they told me. This is who they told me I am. My parents, my friends, my teachers, my college professors, my bosses, this is what they told me I am. And then there's that little voice. That voice told me this is what I am. So I guess this is it. I guess this is who I am. This, this, is, this is what I am, right? This is what I built. And then how many times have we as people, we've had the opportunity to start something new, get a new job, right? It's like, oh, I was given a whole new Lego set, man. It's exciting. I get a new chance. And you start building. And you know what happens when you start something new? If you don't realize it, <clears throat> all those lies start to come back. And what felt new at first doesn't feel new anymore. And now I'm just, oh, man, I'm stuck in the same situation I was last time. There's this circular motion, traveling, journey. They're just going round, round, and round, and round. And why? Why do we do that? Why do we do that? It's because we didn't realize that what we believed was a lie. And I wonder this morning how many of us have believed lies about ourselves? How many of us have believed a lie about a person we love? And see, the devil, he's so sweet and wonderful. Manipulating language. And in this story, he goes straight to Adam and Eve, and he destroys their life. And he destroyed their kid's life. But as time goes on, you know what he does? He continues to disrupt and divide and he's not out to divide his kingdom. Who's he out to divide? The kingdom that God gave to you. The things that God placed in your life. He wants you to live divided. He doesn't want there to be peace. He doesn't want there to be soundness in our minds. If I can make this person a divided person, they're always just going to keep going around that mountain in that circular, circular motion. 
And so this morning as we start to wrap up, I want to actually move to a different verse, and we're going to get back to closing up with our theme. But this is going to be and sound and feel a little bit different. Actually, I'm not going to go there. We're going to go to Second Chronicles. If you have your Bibles, Second Chronicles 7, verse 12. And this is King Solomon. <coughs> and, and if you know who King Solomon is, he's, he's said to be one of the wisest men in the world. He's also a dummy, but he was wise at one point, right? He was so wise, and everyone wanted to hear Solomon talk. And God and him are having a conversation. Second Chronicles 7, 12, it says, One night the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, I've heard your prayer. And I've chosen this temple, because Solomon built the temple for God, as the temple for making sacrifice, having church. At times, I might shut up the heavens. At times, I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls. I might command grasshoppers to devour your crops. Or I might send plagues among you. Verse 14, and this is a very popular verse. But he says, but then... If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I will restore their land. How many of us have ever heard that verse before? If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, they seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, and I'm going to restore their land. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I'll forgive their sins, and I will restore their land. What I find interestingly in this, if you back up in the very first verse that we read in Second Chronicles 7, 12, God says, at times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls, or I might command grasshoppers to devour your crops, or I might send plagues among you. And then he goes on to verse 14. This is what we do with the Bible a lot. We take verse 14. If my people are humble, seek my face, turn from their ways, God says, I'm going to heal your land. But the part we forget, and the part you don't hear people quote, is the previous verse. And what does it say? God said, I send plagues, and I send, and I close up the heavens so that there's no rain. You know why? Because we as people... We get so stuck so easy. We get off the wrong path so easy. We're supposed to go left, and we went right. We were supposed to go right, and we went left. And so God says, he says, it might be me who says rain. It might be me who send plagues, viruses. He said, it might be me to send grasshoppers to eat your land. 2023, and this is the reason I read this verse this morning. Our land could use some healing. I don't know if you can sense that. And there's many homes that could use a little bit of healing. And I think there's a country that we live in right now that could use a little bit of healing right now. There's a world that could use a little healing. And you know why? It's not because the sinners have turned their back on God. They're called sinners for a reason. They have continued to keep their back on God. But I think it's because the Christians 
have not humbled themselves and kept themselves humble. God says the humble people, the humble people who seek me and pray, then I will heal. And if so if there is a lot of seeking, praying, and humbling, why do we have the mess we have, right? And I wondered this morning as I read this verse and we see what's happening in our country today, which it is a mess. It's an absolute mess. It's not, remember Adam and Eve? She made me do it. He made me do it. That's not what it is this morning. It's, God, what are you asking me to turn away from? Because I'm sorry. It's not the knucklehead that you gave me. It's not the job that you gave me. God, my personal responsibility, God, I'm coming to you saying, God, I'm sorry. God, I'm humbling myself to do what Adam and Eve couldn't do. God, I'm sorry this morning. What are you asking me, God, to turn away from? Where are you asking me? Where did I lose my way and get off on the wrong road and the wrong track? God, forgive me because I humble myself this morning. Our land, our community, our world, our country, it needs healing. Matthew 24, Jesus talking about the end. He says, you know, two men will be working together. One will be taken, the other one left. Two women grinding flour at the mill. One will be taken, the other left. So you two must keep watch, for you don't know when your Lord is coming. If this is the end, then you know what's going to happen at a certain moment in time? We're good, we could be at work talking with somebody. Next thing you know, they're gone. Raptured to heaven. And if you're left, and if I'm left, that's a problem. Because hell on earth is coming. At the end, and if this truly is the end, we're seeing all kinds of nastiness happen in the Middle East right now. And there are thousands of people who've lost their life. It's a tragedy. It's horrible. It's horrific. They've been fighting like two, two little kids all of their lives, from the beginning of time, these countries fighting and killing each other back and forth because they hate each other. And you know what's funny? Neither side wants to say, you're right, I'm wrong. Maybe I messed up here. There's, there's no confession or humility in either side of this. But it all leads to this. <clears throat> At the end, Jesus said, there's going to be two people. One will be taken and one left. And I wonder, which one will I be? I mention the war in Israel right now because you know what? It is, believe me, it is sad to see all the things that have happened. But it's just, unfortunately, another one of those things that people, we, get, we can get so caught up on that we become afraid that we stop doing what God put us here to do. Fear is such Fear is such an enemy of our soul, and it constantly, I can't tell you how many people are stocking up and getting ready. If it is the end of the world, they're going to they're gonna fill everything as much as they can because not sure what's going to happen next. And we don't know, right? It's in here. It's in the Bible. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 26, he says, sorry, 7, 24, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows wise, 
like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on the bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and does not obey it, it's foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains come, floods come, and the winds beat against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. So we take our Legos this morning, and I know you only have one piece, and I apologize for that. The question is, have you honestly, sincerely built a house, like Jesus said, that's meant to last. If we built our house on lies, it's gonna crash. If we built our house on things that are untrue about ourselves, untrue about our family, untrue about our friends, untrue about how I think and feel, if I am untrue, if I think and I have lived and I've built myself on anything that is untrue, it will come down. Jesus said, the only way that you're going to be who I made you to be, remember, a good shepherd, gentle. He said, if you listen and follow, if you listen and follow, if you listen and then you follow. And so we end with Adam and Eve, and it's not to point out anything indifferent in either one of them. I just have to wonder as I read the story. Adam was the one who was given the command, don't eat the fruit. And so did he not give Eve good, clear instructions? Was it just kind of one of those late night conversations as you're falling off to sleep? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do whatever you want to do. Just, oh, yeah, you know, don't touch that. Was it something that Eve just barely heard, maybe didn't really understand? Or sometimes... How many of us seen in our own hearts? Sometimes we don't like to be told what to do. And what does that be told what to do create? It creates rebellion. For whatever reason, even this moment, did not like being told what to do, and so I'm going to do my own thing. Rebellion, it's hard. It's horrific. But remember, I'm not saying... I'm perfect. I've been rebellious in my life. Have you ever been rebellious in your life? Have you ever not liked being told what to do? Sometimes you come to church on Sunday morning. Sometimes we don't like being told what to do, right? There's John smacking me with the Bible again. Rebellion will always turn your heart away from truth. And in this moment, for whatever reason, two people decided to do something that would change the course of history. All because one thing, they stopped listening to the correct voice. They stopped listening to the correct voice. And you have friends this morning, you have family members, and I, I don't know if you've ever had, like, had a conversation about God. I hope you have. Have you ever had that conversation? You're trying to explain. Church is pretty cool. God's pretty cool. This is pretty cool. And then they have their long list of things that they hate about God and church. And you know what happens? If you don't have a good answer, you walk away feeling defeated. Oh, man. I was trying to really, you know, beef up God and beef up church. But I wasn't ready. And now I feel defeated. 
Because the enemy is always going to be ready. And the enemy is going to use anybody he can in your life, in my life, friends, family, strangers, to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. At the end of the day, Adam and Eve were made in the image of God, and there was nothing, and there was no one on that planet, nothing and no one that could tell them what to do. They were made in the image. But in one second, they gave the right of their life to the serpents because they started listening to somebody else. Be careful who you listen to. Be careful who you were meant to be. Remember, Legos were connected. As human beings, that's what we do. We connect to people. But if you're not connected to the right Lego piece, it's not going to go well. It's not. And as God's put us here to be salt and light and do things and speak things and speak the truth, you also have to be ready for the combat and the war that if you're talking to somebody who's rebellious, you know what's going to happen? There's going to be an argument. There's going to be a disagreement. And there's going to be something that happens that they're going to try and destroy what you believe. I can't tell you how many times as a young person trying to talk and witness about God and walking away and saying, man, I just didn't know anything. I didn't know enough. I wasn't ready in the moment. When's the last time you shared your faith with somebody? When's the last time you invited somebody to church? When's the last time we stood up to say, I'm going to stand for truth. I'm going to stand for what's right. And I'm going to do what I need to do, the right thing. And I'm not going to let anybody... I'm not going to let any man or woman or person tell me indifferently, I have to stick to the truth. The truth is, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. I'm the gateway to heaven. I love you. I'm giving. I'm forgiving. I'm loving. I'm kind. I'm gracious. And if you want the best life ever, John 10, 10, the most full, rich, satisfying life, it's not praying and thinking, I'm instantly got the best life ever. Jesus said, it's by listening my voice. And when you start to listen and then you follow, you're going to discover the best life ever. Let's pray.